Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Hi there, welcome back to Fruit Pursuit, and this is episode 37 called Doing a Good Job. All of the month of April, we're focused on the fruit of the Spirit goodness, and one of the ways that we demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit goodness is by having excellence in the work we do and how we participate in the things that God gives us to do. I want to talk about how we do a good job today. Romans 15, 14 says that uh, Paul is actually speaking and he says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. He talks about how he knows that the believers are full of goodness. And I would tend to agree with him that most Christians, I think, are trying to do a good job. I would say I'm trying to do a good job. I bet you would be willing to bet you would be willing to say that you are trying to do a good job. And the truth is most believers and usually honestly even most people are trying to do the best that they know how. Um I I think though there are some keys to doing a good job that we often overlook or we just kind of forget. And so I want to address three of them that kind of get in the way sometimes today, and I hope that it will inspire you towards demonstrating goodness in your life more effectively. Philippians 3.14 says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, this verse reminds us of the reward that's available when we persevere. And I think some of the perseverance comes through this vision of doing a good job. I want to turn over to Matthew 25, which talks about the parable of the servants who are left with talents and the master goes away and they are required to do something with those, with that investment. They're try, they, they're supposed to invest the talents in uh, a business or in something that brings a reward. And two of the servants come back and in Matthew chapter 25, in verse 21, and again in verse 23, he tells the servants that did a good job, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. This is the result that I think all of us are longing for as believers. We want to do a good job of who God calls us to be and how he calls us to act. And at the end, we want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But I wonder sometimes, am I doing a good job? 
How could I be doing it differently? Am I missing something? There's so many good options out there. How do I know which ones are the good things to be doing and which ones I'm supposed to be doing? How do I determine what's best and what's good or which of these amazing options to take? Well, today I have three mile markers for doing a good job that you can use to evaluate your own actions as well as teach to to your kids and help them learn how to evaluate their actions. The first mile marker of doing a good job is integrity. Are you living with integrity? I did a Google search on this word and it brought up several definitions, one of which one of them is integrity is the act of behaving honorably, even when no one is watching. I would add that I think it also involves behaving in such a way that is in alignment with the Holy Spirit and your conscience. As a believer, integrity includes doing things both in public and in private, in secret, in words, thoughts, and actions that align with who we are in Christ. One practical tool that I discuss in my coaching programs for evaluating integrity is the gift of the word should. Should is a word that helps us evaluate areas where our integrity might be off. It's kind of a warning sign or a caution light, and it should cause us to slow down and pay attention. I wonder, do you check on the shoulds in your life? Let me give you an example. You have spent a long day working really hard, and it's late at night, and the thought comes to you, I should go to bed. And then in that moment, you have a choice. You can decide to take action based on that thought that you just had, or you can decide to ignore it and do something different. When should comes up, when the word should is used, it doesn't necessarily mean that what we're doing is wrong or that we need to change our actions, but it does mean, it it can mean an opportunity that we have to pause and ask, wait, is this God clearly leading me by his Holy Spirit in the new action that I need to take? Or is it just my own flesh or my own mind or the devil using ideals to attack me for how I have not measured up to my own expectations or the expectations of others. Usually, if we stop and ask a question like that, is this clearly from God? Or is it condemnation from others or the devil or our own, our own mind? We usually can quickly tell the difference. When the Lord prompts us, it's it's pretty definitive a lot of the time. It doesn't normally come with a vague feeling. It's usually specific, like, I want you to stop doing this, or I want you to go over here, or I want you to go forward anyway. We might not understand what we're supposed to do when we get there. We might not understand why all of the reasons are that we need to go and do that, but it feels pretty clear what we're supposed to do. Just like, huh, I should go to bed. That's a nice, clear direction of, hey, this is the thing that's going to serve you well. And integrity means when we hear those shoulds and they are the clear direction of the Holy Spirit in our life, 
then we take action. Integrity is a way that we show up and say, hey, I'm going to do this now. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to mess around anymore. I'm going to go and do the thing. The uh, James 4.17 says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So the shoulds can convict or they can be a form of condemnation. But with these quick questions of, is this something that God is clearly leading me in? Or is it condemnation? We can tell the difference. We want to align our thoughts, words, and actions so that they are consistent. This helps us build a framework of confidence around our choices. When we get into a pattern of noticing when the should comes up and either aligning our actions with what we believe to be the right course, or we say, no, I'm not going to listen to this um, this message that I haven't done enough or that I am not good enough or that I haven't uh, reached a particular ideal. That's the devil talking. I'm going to ignore that. When we get familiar with making, with recognizing that and making that choice, it builds confidence and we can take action a lot more quickly, a lot more successfully. And as a result, we become better and better at doing a good job in whatever we're called to do. The second mile marker for doing a good job is obedience. Doing a good job includes obedience to what God calls us to. My favorite Bible story for this particular uh, point is found in 1 Samuel 15. I'm going to flip over there in my Bible because I want to read you a couple of verses from that from that chapter. 1 Samuel 15. This is a situation where Saul, who was king over Israel, has been given a command by the Lord through Samuel, the prophet Samuel. At the time, Samuel was speaking for the Lord to the king, and he gave Saul some very specific instructions. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 3, he tells Saul, Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now, that was really clear instruction. It sounds horrific in today's day and age that he would slaughter everything, all the people, all the animals, but that's not what we're here to discuss. What we're here to discuss is that the instruction was extremely clear. And so in verses seven through nine, we see what Saul does. Just track with me here for a minute. It says, and Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. So do you hear what he did? He didn't follow the directions, did he? He 
he disobeyed. He saw that things things that were good that he could physically benefit from, that his wealth could benefit from, that his people could benefit from. And he was like, wait a minute. I think maybe he, maybe, I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe uh, he doesn't need these to be destroyed. Of course, he didn't actually mean these animals. Um, so, so that's what he chose to do. Then listen in verse 13. I'm just skipping down. Uh, but you can read the whole chapter if you want to yourself. It says in verse 13, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He was actually boasting that he had won the battle and done what he was told. He was boasting about it. In verse 14, Samuel says, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul explains why he... Um, he did it. He has an excuse. He's like, they've brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. And Samuel says, stop, I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he gives Saul actually the consequences of his actions. Um, Saul argues with him. He argues that he's obeyed the voice of the Lord. And he says, I've in verse 20, he says, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I've brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things and devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord, your God in Gilgal. So not only did he blame it on somebody else, but he explained that it was for a really good reason. They they actually were going to sacrifice it to God. And Samuel said in verse 22, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. And that's the takeaway. That's the point. If you don't listen to any other verse, it's verse 22. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. Saul got distracted with what a great thing it would be to sacrifice to God, and God might have appreciated it if he hadn't already told him clearly what to do otherwise. There's, in fact, plenty of other times that God does appreciate sacrifice that we see in the Bible. But in this instance, he had specifically asked Saul to do a job, and Saul did not do it. I want you to notice that in Saul's efforts to do a good job, he wasn't taken down by evil ideas. He let good ideas get in the way of the best idea. Chances are your ability to do, be doing a good job is not going to be hindered by obvious evil. You're not going to see some awful thing and decide, oh, suddenly you'll go do it. Instead, it's most likely that we will be taken down by second best, by cool ideas, by interesting distractions, and we'll jump at them because they don't look wrong. They look interesting. They look like a nice add-on feature. (laughs) But this is the moment to realign. What has God clearly laid on your heart to do? What about a calling on your family's life 
or on your finances. I'll tell you, I can't express the number of times that I've seen God work through our tithing, for instance, and that doing a good job with our finances means first tithing 10%. You can tell me all day long that we're not under the law, but under grace instead. And I will show you time and time again, where, whether, where in practical application, when we turn around and make sure that our tithing is in alignment, that somehow our finances begin, our needs are met financially in a significantly different way than they are when we are living in a space of thinking, oh, well, it's okay to do it differently. It's okay to give God less, or we'll do that when we finish paying off our debt or all of those things. I know that doing a good job requires obedience, and He's called me to 10%, so I do it. And I find His blessing in obedience. So finances, living your best life, doing a good job means keeping obedient to the best things and turning a blind eye to good enough or cool things. What do you have in your life right now that's a good thing, that's a cool idea? that's an interesting distraction. Those are going to be the things that take you down if they distract from you doing the one thing that God's called you to. And finally, so doing a good job includes integrity. Doing a good job includes obedience. And doing a good job includes failure. And I think this one more than maybe more than any of them is important for our kids to learn from a young age. Integrity and obedience is good too. Never mind. I guess they're all good, but this one I think gets overlooked probably more than the others. That doing a good job includes failure. Think about it. We don't actually ever expect somebody to learn to ride a bike without ever falling over. We don't expect someone to learn how to cook without ever burning something. We don't expect baseball players to be outstanding and that equal that they hit all the balls. In fact, that we say that a baseball player is outstanding when he gets hits less than half the time. But in our personal lives and in the lives of our children, we sometimes act like doing a good job doesn't include mistakes, practice, or unmet expectations. You know, a difficult conversation that you have with your child that ends with them screaming at the top of their lungs can be a time when you are doing a good job discussing an important issue. Just because they got mad in the conversation doesn't mean that you weren't doing a good job. In fact, it might mean that you actually are doing a good job and they just didn't like the fact that you're doing what needs to be done. So often we equate doing a good job with no conflict, no unexpected arguments, no fighting, no pain, no difficulty. But I want you to think back to the last time that you really succeeded well in something that didn't require you to make mistakes multiple times, to do it in an inferior way um, many times before you were good at it. If you go back and you listen to my first podcasts, I would say that they aren't as good as the ones that I'm doing now because I'm more comfortable. I certainly feel better about how I do my podcast today than when I started. 
There's certain ways that I organize my business now that I didn't at the beginning, not because I was trying to do it wrong, but because it takes experience and practice. I know that in the kitchen, I've made so many meals where I messed up a recipe or cooked it too long or learned that you needed to put one ingredient in before the next one. And I don't regret any of those lessons or any of that time because it's those very moments that helped me learn how to do it well today. So doing a good job includes mistakes, practice, and unmet expectations. It means giving it everything we've got and then letting God be responsible for the results or how long the results take, when they come, who notices them. We play all in and surrender the expectations to him. My business coach, Mia Renee, and she has a podcast called God-Centered Success, which I really recommend if you're an entrepreneur. Uh, It's a faith-based business podcast. Um, She really encourages people to be committed but not attached, which I love the idea of that. Being wholly committed, I'm all in, but I'm leaving the results up to God. I'm not becoming attached to the expectations that have to happen. We do the best we can. We leave the results up to God. That's doing a good job, even if it means making mistakes, even if it means failure. So to recap here, doing a good job and living in an example of the goodness of God includes being in integrity. Are you in integrity today? It includes obedience to God. What has He clearly called you to do? And are you still making that your main thing? And it includes a healthy dose of failure as we practice and as we grow and as we become the people that God has intended us to be. So I'm excited to share with you this idea of doing a good job. I hope it encourages your heart that that you can persevere. And certainly in this day and time where if you're listening to this, um, when it actually, when this podcast actually comes out, this particular episode, we are still in quarantine and shutdown, um, shelter in place. And we're doing a lot of things very differently than we have before. And everybody's trying to figure out how to make it work. Can I just encourage you that whatever might feel like a crisis right now, that if you are doing the best you can and leaving it up to God, that you are doing a good job, that you're a testimony to other people, that we can be play all in and do the best we possibly can. We can surrender the results to God and he will take care of our needs. We can be full of goodness, just like Paul was uh, expressing to the Romans, to the Christian Romans in, um, in his day and time, that he knows that they were full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. I know today you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct each other. So be encouraged that even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even if it's going hard, that you're doing a good job, line up that integrity, line up the obedience, remember that it includes failure and hang in there, keep going strong and trust in him.
Next week, we'll have our final episode for April around the topic of goodness. And I look forward to sharing that with you soon. However, between now and next week, if you are looking for more practical support, I encourage you to jump over to Facebook and in the search bar, type in Moms in Control. We have a private group over there just for you to get practical, real-time support in all kinds of different ways that you might need it during this challenging time with quarantine, with homeschooling, if you've never done that before, or maybe you're homeschooling and you just want a refresher of what are those basic things that we need to do so that this is not insane and chaotic. How can we do this as a family well? These are some of the practical tools that I teach in my coaching mastermind, but given the situation that we're in, I wanted to reach out and just support my community as best I can. And the way that you can do that is to go get into that Facebook group, Moms in Control. So until next Thursday, I hope I see you in the Facebook group. Otherwise, between now and then, take care. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the Spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?